message this morning is for you. Well, actually, the message this morning is for every single one of us, myself included. Because God wants us to walk in the fullness of all that he has purchased for us through Christ Jesus, all that he has secured for us. And I want to tell you that there are some of us who are not walking in the fullness of Christ Jesus. Some of us don't even realize what we have in, within us. And we're living a half life um, because we don't understand what we have in and through Christ Jesus. So this morning, you know, um, it's a a challenging message. Um, I hope it brings uh, uh, some teaching as well this morning um, as we look at the fullness of Christ. And we're going to go into Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to start there. Ephesians chapter 3. Um, We're going to read verses 14 to 21. And so, Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'd just bring a release this morning. Father, we, we know, Lord, that we've come with our own ideas and our own thinking. But, Lord, we're not interested in our own thoughts. Father, we want to know you. Holy Spirit, we want to know you. And so, we ask you to open our hearts, open our ears this morning that we might hear what it is you want to say to us and bring release in, in Jesus' name, amen. And I'm pretty certain that some of what we're going to hear this morning is going to challenge some of you in your own theology, in terms of the fact that you think you've got God sorted, you've got him sussed out, you know how he works, and I'm pretty certain that this morning, um, some of what you're going to hear is going to challenge your theology. But what I want to say right at the very beginning is don't take my word for it. Don't just take my word as gospel, but, you know, make notes, take references, read the Bible, see what it says. Um, Ask Holy Spirit to bring revelation to you, to affirm what God wants. Because Jesus, God, does not want us living a half-life. He wants us to be living in the fullness of of all that he has purchased for us. And some of us don't know what that means. Okay, let's go into Ephesians uh, chapter 3 then. And we're going to read from verse 14 to the end of the chapter, verse 21. And this is going to form the basis, if you like, of where we're going to go uh, this morning. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom Every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Granted with power to be strengthened in your inner, by his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth. In other words, to know the full measure of all that Christ has purchased for us and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, 
To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. And may God bless his word. Might come as a surprise to some of, to some of us, to some of you. Maybe you're watching this morning. Maybe you're in the room this morning. But it might come as a surprise to you to learn that Christ is not Jesus' surname. My name is Ian Anderson, and some people, maybe you're one of them, you think that Christ is, is Jesus' surname. It isn't. It's a title. That's why often um, I refer to him as Christ Jesus. The scripture refers to him as Christ Jesus. You'll hear me refer to Jesus the Christ, because Christ is not his surname. It's not his second name. It's a title. It comes from the Greek word Christos, which means anointed one or chosen one. It's, it's the Greek equivalent of the Hebraic, or the Hebraic word uh, Mashiach or Messiah, the word that we're most familiar with. And when we talk about Jesus the Christ, we are talking about the anointed one, the chosen one. And so we need to understand who he is and what he's done for us in and through the cross. And so I want to cover just a few areas this morning. And there's, you know, these are deep foundational things in our faith, but we need to understand them. And I guarantee some of you are going to be scratching your heads and going, I didn't know that. Or you're going to be saying, is that right? Check it out in the scriptures. So I want to start this morning by asking you, how do we get more of the Spirit? Because the scriptures here tells us that Christ Jesus wants us to be filled with all the fullness of God. Everyone say fullness. Because that's what God wants for you. He wants you to know the fullness and experience the full measure of Christ Jesus. Jesus. Some believers believe that we can get more of God's Spirit given time. That as we, uh, uh, the longer that we are Christians, the more uh, full we can become, the more of Spirit we can have. However, however, the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible tells us that God has given every believer, everyone say every, that includes you. He's given every believer Holy Spirit in his fullness. John 14, 23 says this. Jesus saying it. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my Father will love him and we will come to him and make our home in him. Everyone say we. Because we need to remember that it's plural. We need to remember what Jesus is saying in this context. That means in terms of what Jesus is saying here about him, about the, the, the Trinity coming to make his home in us, that means that there is no need for us to be looking for a, a second portion or a second blessing of Holy Spirit. Jesus said that he will come that we, the Trinity, will come to him, that's us, and make our home in us. 
Now, does Jesus come in part? Does Holy Spirit come in part? Of course he doesn't. He comes in all his fullness. Scripture doesn't talk about Holy Spirit coming in down payments. It doesn't speak about Holy Spirit coming, um, you know, in tranches. But it says that when Holy Spirit comes, he comes in his fullness. And yet some of us are not experiencing that. Scriptures tell us we are blessed with every spiritual blessing. Every, not some, every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. It tells us that we have everything we need for life and for godliness. 2 Peter 1 verses 3 to 4 will, will bear that out. But Ephesians 1 verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every, everyone say every, every, because I want you to get this, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Not some of the blessing, but every spiritual blessing. Remember in John 14, 23, Jesus said, we, he didn't say I, he said we, plural, Go back to Genesis when, when, when God was speaking and he speaks in the plural. Jesus didn't say, I'm coming to live in you. He didn't say, Holy Spirit is coming to live in you, although he did. But here he's saying, we. And that is a reference to God the Father, God the Son, and God, Holy Spirit, coming to live in us. We have the fullness of Christ Jesus living in us. Tells us as well in Ephesians 1:14 that this fullness is um, in Christ, who is the one who guarantees our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to his praise and glory. Listen, you are not a second class believer. When Christ uh, on the cross, on the cross overcame sin and death. He won a victory, an absolute victory. He purchased and secured for us as believers all that we need. When Holy Spirit comes, he comes to live and dwell in every, everyone say every, every believer. So if you're sitting there this morning or maybe you're online and you're watching, you think, well, you know, well, I believe, but he, he's not in me. That's a lie. The Spirit, Holy Spirit, comes to every believer and he doesn't come in part. He doesn't come in part. And I know some of you are thinking, well, that's not my experience. What, you know, um, I'm, I don't feel empowered. I don't feel powerful. I don't feel as though the Spirit is in me. Well, we'll come and deal with that uh, later on. Holy Spirit, God the Father, Jesus um, came and made their home within us. And we have received everything. There is everything that we need to live the full, in the fullness of Christ Jesus. So, when we say, listen, when we say we need more of the Spirit, that is, if you like, um, let me word, phrase this right. To say we need more of the Spirit is to ignore 
all that we already have in him. To say we need more of the Spirit is to ignore everything that Christ Jesus has secured and purchased for us through his death. If we say we need more of the Spirit, that is to say that um, he has not done a complete work. Now hold on to that. Because I understand and I know I'm one of those people that from time to time talk about wanting more of the Spirit. But when we talk about wanting more of the Spirit, we need to understand what we are saying. Because we're not asking that we get more. We're not saying, I'm only, I'm only, I've only got half of you and I want the other half. We're say, actually saying something else. Now, I know that there are times when we do feel, every single one of us, feel as though we want more of God. That we need more of the Spirit. But we, uh, we make a conscious decision to trust in Christ Jesus. And when we make that conscious decision to trust in him, the reality is, is that his presence, Holy Spirit, because Jesus said it, comes and makes his dwelling in us. When we trust, make that decision to trust Jesus, Holy Spirit comes and makes his dwelling in us. So we have everything that we need. Now listen, God's presence is a fact, not a feeling. It's a fact. Jesus said that Holy Spirit would come and make his habitation in us. And so whether we feel as though God is in us, as though Holy Spirit is in us, is irrelevant. His presence in the believer is a fact because it's his presence that marks us as belonging to him. Listen, if we do not have the Spirit of God, uh, if we do not have Holy Spirit living in us, you are not a Christian. If you don't have Holy Spirit living in you, you are not saved. Your eternal salvation is not secure because it's Holy Spirit living in us that marks us, that when God looks at us, he doesn't look to our character, but he looks to the one who is living and dwelling in us and marks us as belonging to him. And so don't tell me if you love Jesus, if you know Jesus, uh, if, uh, and I'm talking about for those of you who authentically know him, and I don't know, only you know your heart, but if you authentically love Jesus and know him, know this, you have everything that you need for life and godliness. It is not a, it's not a partial work. The work on the cross was a complete work. It was a full and complete work. So, this week we start a uh, course, and I want to encourage you, as many of you as possible, to, to sign up for that. There are still places on that, and again, I know some of you are thinking, well, that's not for me. It's not for me. Of course it's for you. It's for every believer. It's for everyone who professes to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we start the course this week, walking by the Spirit. So let me ask you, what does it mean when we talk about walking by the Spirit? Galatians 5.16, 
tells us that it's simply this. Walking by the Spirit is simply this. Trusting Jesus that he will produce in us the things he says that he will produce in us. Trusting Jesus to produce in us the fruit of the Spirit. Those things, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now, walking in the Spirit, we need to understand we shouldn't confuse walking in the Spirit or walking by the Spirit. We shouldn't confuse with being in the Spirit. The Scriptures talk about walking by the Spirit. The Scriptures talk about walking in the Spirit. When we walk in the Spirit, that's a reference to our salvation. That's a reference to the fact that Holy Spirit has made his dwelling in us. Every believer, every person who professes to be a Christian is in the Spirit. Do you understand that? Every believer who calls themselves a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ is in the Spirit. And we've already covered some of that because the Spirit lives in us and the Spirit marks us as belonging to Christ Jesus. You cannot call yourself a Christian without the Spirit. The Spirit is in every believer. Romans 8, 9. It says this, Paul speaking. You, however, are not in the flesh, but what? In the Spirit. In fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Can you see how important the Holy Spirit is? We, listen, we can't say, well, I'm a Christian, but I'm not seeing the Holy Spirit working in me. I'm a Christian, but I'm, uh, you know, uh, that's for someone else. No, Holy Spirit is for every single believer. You can't operate without him. You are not a Christian without him. Not my words, that's what the scriptures tell us. We don't just give ourselves a label and call ourselves Christians. What defines us, what separates us, what marks us apart from all else is the Spirit of God who has made his dwelling in us. We, friends, are always in the Spirit, those of us who believe in Christ Jesus, but we don't always walk by the Spirit. Are you with me? Are you following me? We are in the Spirit, but we don't always walk by the Spirit. You see, when we believe in Christ Jesus, that moment when we came to faith, that moment when we first decided to trust Jesus, we were planted in Him through Holy Spirit. It says that the Holy Spirit came, made His dwelling in us, and, we, and again in John uh, 17, yeah, John 17, where it talks about the vine. You know, we, you know, it says we are in him and he in us. You see, our new spiritual location at the point of faith is in Christ Jesus by the power and enabling of Holy Spirit. That's our new spiritual location. We cannot become more in the Spirit. Either we are a believer or we're not. Either we have the Spirit living in us 
or we don't. We don't become more of a believer, but we have the Spirit of God in us. We don't get more of the Spirit over time. He's in every believer. That's what the Scriptures tell us. We are in Christ Jesus. When we believe, though, we are made new creations and we are bonded, the Word says, to Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 6, 17 says, He who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. He who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Again, in Titus 3, 5, it says of, of Christ Jesus, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. You see, we being new creations, we don't, you know, we can't do it of ourselves. We are absolutely dependent on Holy Spirit to make us those new creations that it talks about in 2 Corinthians 5.17. We are new creations, made new, renewed by Holy Spirit. And do, what does that, you know, being joined um, or, or being in union with Holy Spirit mean? Does it mean we stand around doing nothing? Does it mean we say, well, praise the Lord, we're saved, my eternity is, is guaranteed? Of course it doesn't. There is still a work for us to do. We can make choices to align our hearts and align our, our, our thinking with the purposes of God, with the one who lives in us. In other words, we can choose to walk by the Spirit. We can take counsel from Him. We can listen to, to, to His voice. We can hear what He's saying. And we can make a choice about whether we are going to align ourselves with what he says. Don't know why I'm doing that, because he's not out there, he's in here. We can align ourselves with what he says. And when we align ourselves with what the Spirit of God is saying, what God himself is saying, that is when we begin to walk by the Spirit. We can make those choices. That's what Paul was saying in Galatians 5.25 when he says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. You see, it's possible, it's possible that we can, uh, yeah, we come to faith, the Holy Spirit comes and makes His dwelling in us as Jesus promised, as God the Father promised, but we can do nothing with Him. Listen, we don't have to be planted in the Spirit again once we receive Christ Jesus. As believers, the Word teaches us and tells us that we are forever in the Spirit. Now, of course, we can make choices. I say we have to make choices about whether we are going to walk by the Spirit. And equally, we can make choices to walk away from God and to turn our backs on God. That's a different thing. But for those of us who are in Christ, who, you know, we're not going to get everything right. We, we're not going to be perfect. We don't become perfect at our moment of, of, of salvation and, and revelation. But we do make choices. We can make choices to walk by the Spirit. We can make choices to allow Holy Spirit 
to have a greater and an increasing influence in our lives. That's what it means to walk by the Spirit. We get to make choices that allow us to live out, to express, to demonstrate, to show that Holy Spirit is living in us. We get opportunities to evidence the life of Christ Jesus in us. And when we make those choices that are toward God, when we make those better choices that are, to, uh, that are influenced by Holy Spirit, then we can say that we are walking by the Spirit. We are people of Spirit. And so what does it mean then to be filled with the Spirit? Oh, this is a touchy one. What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? Again, some believers believe that being filled with the Spirit is about having a certain spiritual gift, such as tongues or prophecies. Far more than that. Some people imagine that being filled with the Spirit means getting more of God's Spirit. And again, maybe you're one of them. Some people believe that being filled with the Spirit is getting a second blessing, if you like, an extra anointing. Well, can we? If God has given us everything we need, if the fullness of the Spirit is with us at the point of our conversion, at the point of receiving Christ Jesus, can we get more of Holy Spirit? I think Ephesians is clear about what being filled with the Spirit is. And it's very simple. And it may not be what any of us thought it might be. You see, in Ephesians, what it tells us is that being filled with the Spirit is simply this. Knowing, knowing the love of Christ and being inspired by his love. Knowing the love of Christ and being inspired by his great love. Now, we can't know the love of Christ without the Spirit. And we certainly cannot be inspired uh, by his love without the Spirit. So, you know, we're not, we're not saying the Spirit is a part. We're not saying the Spirit has nothing to do with this. We're saying that to be filled with the Spirit allows us to know, truly know the love of Christ and to be inspired by that love. In other words, knowing the love of Christ should change the way that we act, should change the way that we think, should change the way that we be behave, should change our expectancy about what God will do in and through us as a people. Ephesians 3.19 says, To know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may what? That you may be filled with the fullness of God. Knowing the love of Christ that you might be filled with the fullness of God. Now I know that's a surprise to some of you thought I was going to give you something else. 
something more profound. But that's as, that's as simple as it gets. To be filled with the Spirit is to know um, the fullness of Christ's love, of the love of Jesus, and to be inspired by that love. Again, Ephesians 5.18 says, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But what? But be filled with the Spirit. That text there in Ephesians 5.18 is the only place in the New Testament where it tells us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's the only place in New Testament that explicitly commands believers to be filled with the Spirit. And again, the original Greek literally means to be being filled. In other words, Paul is saying we already have the Spirit... We already have the Spirit, but we can allow, but we, we can um, make decisions that allow the Holy Spirit to constantly inspire and influence us. You see, we can, we can have the Spirit, and we, we probably know plenty of people um, that are born-again believers in the sense that they have received Christ, the Spirit of God lives in them and, and has renewed them but they have not done anything other than that. They're not allowing Holy Spirit to influence their lives. They're not allowing the Holy Spirit to change them. They're not allowing Holy Spirit to, ex you know, to raise expectancy about who God is. But when we, when we are filled with Holy Spirit, when Paul commands us to be, to be being filled with the Spirit, he's saying, listen, He's saying you've got the Spirit of God. He's given you everything you need. But now what you need to do is allow the Spirit of God to have greater influence in your life. You need Holy Spirit to have a greater prominence in your walk, in your thinking, in your actions, in the way that you behave. Listen, when we, when we allow Holy Spirit have a greater influence our expectation goes up and 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 we begin to see those miraculous wonders and signs that the scriptures talk about so it's not that it's not that being filled with the spirit is devoid or absent or divorced from the supernatural miraculous it's part of it but when we are being filled with the spirit that is to that is to say we allow Holy Spirit to continually and with increasing measure inspire and influence us. How do we get the Spirit then to influence? Well, the answer is in the text that we read right at the beginning. Paul says um, we can know the love of Christ and thereby be filled with the fullness of the Spirit in verse 19. So, to be filled with the Spirit, according to Ephesians, means to know the love of Christ after salvation. Know the love of Christ after salvation, because that changes everything. Yes, I know. Listen, I'm not, you know, I'm a Pentecostal. I am not saying we don't have the supernatural. I'm not saying we don't have tongues and prophecies and healings and, 
and all the other external and visual gifts. That is part of what Holy Spirit brings. But if that's all we're looking for, we've missed something. Because it's not just about the externals. That's why Paul compares being filled with the Spirit to being drunk on wine. It's why, um, you know, the world, if you like, when they go out on their Friday night or their Saturday night, they go out to get drunk because there is something that being drunk does. I mean, I haven't been drunk. Oof. <laughs> I haven't been drunk for a good, a good few years, well, before I became a Christian, really. So that's going back you know, 40, 50, nearly 50 years ago. But there is something that when you are intoxicated by alcohol, it releases, you've seen people, haven't you, when they're, when they're drunk. You know, all inhibitions go. Suddenly they think they can do anything. You know, there's a freedom and there's a liberty that comes with being drunk. But Paul says, listen, don't get drunk with natural wine. Instead, choose to be drunk with the Spirit. And he makes the analogy because he's saying when we allow Holy Spirit to have a greater influence in us, in our lives, then it changes our thinking. The impossible becomes the possible. We understand who we are in Christ Jesus. We're not afraid of those things that we're told not to be afraid of. You see, when we allow Holy Spirit to influence us, we become the people that God always intended us to be. That's why the book of Acts, when it talks about when the people were filled with the Spirit, read the second chapter or the fourth chapter in Acts and listen to what Acts records after the people are filled with the Spirit. That is inspired by the Spirit, inspired by the love of God. It says in Acts chapter 2 that they addressed the rulers with boldness. You see, when we allow Holy Spirit to influence us, you know, we're not fearful. We know who we are in Christ. Everything becomes possible through the one who lives in us. Glory to God. Um, yeah, they, uh, sorry, I'm trying to find where I am in my notes. They shared the gospel in other languages. They addressed rulers with boldness. They spoke the word of God with confidence. Why? Because it wasn't about them. They knew the one who was in them. They served food at tables. They preached to those persecuting them. They encouraged people with the gospel. They challenged a deceiver who, you know, who was going around telling, you know, um, porky pies. They experienced joy in spite of the persecution that existed at that time. You see, that's how Holy Spirit works out. You know, of course, you know, there's the miraculous and we thank God for that, praise God for that. But there are also some practical things in terms of the way Holy Spirit changes our lives so that people see 
the difference in us. And I want us to understand, you know, go back, read chapter 2 of Acts, read chapter 4 of Acts, and note the variety of actions that were prompted when Holy Spirit came and made his dwelling in that early church. Listen, I say some of you don't really realize what you have in you. Um, I had a car until recently. I, I had a car, and I'd had it for about four years, and I was driving down the motorway at speed, about 69 miles an hour. And um, <laughs> uh, I was going down the motorway at speed, and suddenly, so I'd, like I said, I'd had the car about four or five years. Suddenly, traffic in front of me stopped. Well, I'm going to suddenly, the car braked, and the hazard lights came on, and the car stopped. I thought, "What is going? Why sing songs? What's going on here?" I thought, "I didn't even. I've had a car four or five years. I didn't know it could do that." Now, did the car suddenly develop an ability to predict a crash? No, it was always there. It was always in the car. I just didn't know it until I needed it. And likewise, I want to say some of us are living our lives like that with Holy Spirit. He's in us, but you don't know what you've got. Because you've never positioned yourself, you've never put yourself in a place where it's necessary to release all that he wants to bring. So you just coast along, you're just happy you're saved. But there is so much more in you. So much more. And God wants us to live in the fullness that Christ has purchased for us on and through the cross. Listen, being filled with the Spirit is knowing and trusting the love of Jesus. And I want to tell you that that which Christ has purchased for us is for every single believer. It's for you, it's for you, it's for all of us. Anyone who, have put, who has put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, it's for everyone. Don't live a half life. Some of you have some discovering to do in terms of what Holy Spirit is able to do and indeed wants to do. But it means you've got to change your thinking. It means you've got to change where you position the places that you go. Maybe position yourself in places where you, you, you're out of natural resource and you're totally dependent on him. See what God will do. See what God will do in those situations. Glory to God. But it's not just for the elite. It's for everyone. It's for everyone who is in Christ Jesus. And having said that, having said those three things, it's all about how we can be better disciples of Jesus. You see, all of those things that I've spoken about are simply signposts. You know, how do we get more of the Holy Spirit? Let's, you know, we don't want to get caught up in stuff like that. How can we walk by, by the Spirit? How can we be filled by the Spirit? All of those things are good, but ultimately... It's only valuable if it takes us closer to Jesus. It's only valuable if it allows us to, be, to become better at being disciples of 
Jesus. Listen, sometimes we hear people talk about following Jesus. And that's okay. You know, Jesus himself spoke about following him. But I have a problem with that. You see, when we talk about following Jesus, it's external. Jesus is somewhere over there, we're somewhere over here. Under the new covenant, Jesus said that he's come to make his home, his dwelling in us. And so we are not just followers of Jesus, we are disciples. Why? Because Jesus has made his dwelling, his home in us. And so it's okay. Now Jesus did speak about following him. But we have to understand the context. And again, when we read our Bibles, often what we have to do is we have to put on our first century hats. We can't read it in our, with our 21st century understanding because we have to know context and, uh, to, to get a better understanding of it. And Jesus did say to people, follow him. But it was about um, people physically following because Jesus was stood in front of them. And he said, come, follow me, be a disciple of mine. But at the cross, everything changed because no longer do we need to follow Jesus because at the cross, we can now be with Jesus because he's made his home in us. He's, his spirit dwells in us. Glory to God. You see, what the new covenant speaks about is it speaks about relationship. The cross brings us into an intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. He's no longer elsewhere. He's no longer external from us. But Jesus has chosen to come and live in every believer. He has chosen to make his habitation in us. In Luke 22, 20, Jesus said about the new covenant, the new covenant is in his blood. The new covenant, excuse me, is not in the emblems. The new covenant is in Christ Jesus. And Jesus leads us at this, through this new covenant internally, not internally externally. Again, in Ezekiel 36, verses 26 to 27, hundreds of years before Jesus, God said, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you. When Ezekiel spoke that, half of the people, probably most of them, wouldn't have understood what he was talking about. I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be, and be careful to obey my rules. Listen, to live in the fullness of Christ is having an understanding and knowing that we are one in Christ Jesus, we are one with the Spirit, we are one with the Father. But we are still called to be disciples who choose, who choose to allow Holy Spirit 
to have greater influence in our lives, to uh, choose to make better decisions, to choose to make decisions that are toward the heart of God. John 15 reminds us, 15.4, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. You see, it's foundational. We have to understand that Christ is in us and we ourselves are in him. He has given us everything that we need. So how can we follow, and again, use that loosely, how can we follow Jesus better? Well, we can recognize his presence in us. We can recognize Holy Spirit in us and what he wants to do. We can um, be a people who expect more of God, more from God because of the fact that his spirit is in us. We can be those who choose to express and to demonstrate the life of the Spirit by our actions so that people might know the one who is in us. But all of this miraculous, life-changing stuff that I'm talking about, it doesn't come just by positive thinking. It doesn't come just by us thinking, yeah, I'm going I'm to do it. Yeah, I want to be a better person doesn't come just by following some religious leader. It comes through a relationship. And that's what God calls us to. God ultimately calls us into a deeper relationship with Jesus. A desire wanting to know him more. We do not serve a dead saviour. We serve the risen Christ the one who indwells in us, the one who has made his home in us, the one who empowers, the one who enables, the one who leads us from within. Know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. The cross has purchased and secured for us everything that we need. And so I want to say to you this morning, go and live in the fullness of Christ. Understanding who you are, but more importantly, understanding who he is and the fact that he has made his home in us. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father.